Welcome to Spicy Techie, where we discuss all things technology with some friendly banter mixed in. With your hosts, Ali Musa and Sienna T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome once again to Spicy Techie. I'm your host, Sienna T. And joining me here on the show, as always, is our co-host, partner in crime, Ali Musa, who is also host of All Over the Map, our sister podcast here on Spicy Techie. Ali, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing today? Glad to have you back in studio. I am wonderful. How are you this Sunday morning? I am absolutely wonderful. Definitely looking forward to a great chat this morning. And how was your weekend? You know something? My weekend has been full of sports and reading. Uh, so I, I will say J's and reading. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. And uh, what have you been reading? Have you Are you still on how to succeed in sports writing without really trying? Yes, I am because yes, and um, I, I might be, I might even be at the end of it now because I had the I read a little bit at about eight o'clock last night, and Excellent. then I read a little bit more. I went to bed after like eleven fifteen last night, so I um, uh, I, I put it on for an hour. That so, is wonderful. Yeah. And and so where I what I remember of where I was at in the book was where he was going where um uh where Gera or was going to he was on the way to Norway and when he got there his credit card was not working and it was like it was like suspicious activity was detected on his credit that's what it sort of appeared as though that's so he got locked out oh no ouch then he he phoned the company and they said we can help and he's like there's some suspicious activity he was told going on um as somebody in norway has been accessing the has been trying to get into your account oh no and he said the person was it turned out it was him. Oh man! So they did get that. So they got him sorted, and then uh, twenty-four. He's like, it could. They told him it it it, it may take up to twenty-four hours for it to work. And yeah, I can see that happening when you're traveling, and you know, it, it's it's a good security measure that they took. But at the same time, I mean, I can see how you know if you go overseas and you're using your credit card overseas and it detects it as suspicious activity even though um, you're the one attempting to use your own credit card and um, it i remember a friend of mine telling me um, he's from switzerland and it happened to him when he was in france and it said that uh, um, someone in france was trying to use your credit card meanwhile that someone was him directly 
and you know it 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 just goes to show i mean it was a good thing he was able to phone and and get it sorted but it's it's a common thing you're you're traveling overseas and you go to use your card then all of a sudden it's just like whoops thankfully he was able to use his debit card though well i think in a way though right see it is a security measure but at this point but see here's the thing if you go to if you're in canada and you go to the us to show um for an overnight or 10 days or whatever your card will work you'll just be charging us dollars oh yeah that's correct and you'll be paying the the conversion rate correct some people what they do is they take like us dollars cash with them for spending mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's a common thing too. I know that uh, when my sister goes to the U.S., she'll take uh, cash with her. They'll. Like, I think she went to Mexico, if I remember correctly. Correct. Yep, and she was able to use uh, American. She was able to use American currency there. Yeah, and she must have taken it from the bank here. Just said, "I need some American dollars. Can you convert?" Yep, that's what she did. And that's very common, and 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 that's why it's it's quite funny. <laughs> um, my grandmother used to go to the states a lot, and so she'll have like old American coins lying around, or old the old American one dollar bills and two dollar bills. They actually still use the one dollar and two dollar bills in the states, whereas here we have the loony, and now. As of, I believe it was 1997 or 98, the Toonie. I remember when the Toonie first came out. And so, uh, yeah, it's still interesting to see how they still have the uh, $1 and $2 bills. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, though, right? That yeah. It's 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 really neat, actually. And apparently, so for those of us who do not know, we are, uh, well, I am totally blind. And um, I, here in Canada, we have our bills are made out of polymer now. They used to be made out of paper, like the American dollar bills. But uh we um, now have polymer bills. And what's really neat is I believe Australia is the only other country to do this, but we have the tactile markings. On yes. The, the bra- it has the braille cells it has the on braille it. Cells, yep. Yeah. Now full disclosure, I'm totally blind too. Yeah. Well, as many as regular listeners will know to this show. Absolutely. And as regular listen, listeners will know, and for those who are not aware, yes, we we are totally blind. So a lot of what we demonstrate um, here on Spicy Techie, our tech demonstrations, are done from a screen reader perspective. And the screen reader, what it does is it reads the um, text output on the screen 
using a text-to-speech voice. And for those of you who have heard our previous demonstrations, of course, um, you know that voiceover has many, 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 many different uh, text-to-speech voices to choose from, including eloquence, which is one of my Yes! Favorites. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Funny enough, though, especially like those novelty voices, like it's it's kind of funny. Just like it, it, it's like I don't understand how anybody can put can uh, do that. It's true. It's absolutely true. Like I I don't know how they could make them sing like that and like the bells and the cellos and um, they actually they actually. <laughs> The bells sounds, I don't know how they make it sound like it's talking, but there's a bell. It sounds like a, a church bell ringing in the background. Like it's amazing how they were able to do that. And um, I mean, deck talk, there's some code that you could program um, that you could make it sing. Um, but you have to be very familiar with the notes and like what code to use for each note to get it to sing each syllable to sing a specific note. But like these are built right into the voices. And it just amazes me how they could have done that back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Well, and see, actually, Sarah Hurlinger, who was one of the... Um... Um, who was one of the folks involved with the accessibility side of things at Apple mm-hmm. was on, I don't know. And now why I say was is because I don't know her current status. Mm-hmm. And see, cause these things always change around. So you don't want to ever give somebody a definite like that. If you don't know. Absolutely. So she was on with uh, Dave Nason and uh, Thomas Donville from Appleville on Appleville last year. Oh, yes. And one of the things that they asked her was why uh, or what the reason was that eloquence was included here. Was it so that, like, did they get requests for it? And basically what they said was that um, that Oh, you know, we we always were want to be accommodating towards our users. Mm-hmm. And there are users that really, 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 really love their uh, eloquence text speech voices um, because they, you know, that's what they're used to from, if, especially if they've been using JAWS since the late nineties. Um that's when eloquence was really introduced. And when I started using JAWS, I would say 2001 um, was when I started using JAWS. Uh, Previously, I was using a DOS uh, screen reading program called Automatic Screen Access Program, or ASAP. And um, then I switched to JAWS. And that's really when eloquence, I, I... first um got introduced to eloquence and i'm used to it but no if, no. if, if i no. had to pick now it's alex for the win <laughs> yes 
Yeah, so, yeah. so we are going to take a quick break here. And when we come back from the break, um, uh, thank you for this opening segment. Really do appreciate thank you. it. It's, it's always a pleasure, Ali. Thank you as well for uh, some great conversation. Lots of great friendly my, banter. My, my pleasure. And when we come back from the break, we will be joined by tech analyst Carmi Levy. And he's going to talk. He will be talking to us about, oh, uh, there'll be a lot of stuff in here. So um, buckle up, everyone, and stay tuned. Buckle up, keep your seatbelts on, your tray tables stowed, and we will be back right after this short break. Hey, you, why are you looking so sad? Don't be so sad. i tell you what you're going to do. If you got a vino, you pour yourself a bicchiere of vino. If you don't have a vino, maybe you got a panatone, maybe you got a panini. Maybe you got a cafe espresso, but you 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 fix yourself a something bella nice, and you go go to your computer and you log on to CNT Radio, and you listen to CNT Radio, okay? You do all that, you're gonna feel much better. I promise you. All right. Ciao. day of hard work. I am glad the day is over and I'm heading out straight home. What a beautiful day out here riding my motorcycle and I'm sure it's going to get much better when I get home and listen to CNT Radio. Oh my my, so many great programs to pick and choose. There is the Melting Pot every Saturday, every alternate Friday evening. She has the Cosmopolitan Culture Club and on every alternate Friday, she has the song bank, and now she has the Classical Cafe every Saturday afternoon. Perfect way to wind down. Best of the best music from around the world. Why not check out her website at http colon slash slash cnt.wordpress.com slash cnt hyphen radio. I feel like I'm the luckiest person to have such a great source of entertainment. I can see my home approaching very soon. Hope you all tune in and enjoy the great shows. CMT Radio. Making your day brighter, one song at a time. Gentlemen, we take you back to the studios. Welcome to Spicy Techie for Sunday, July 16th, 2023. I am Ali Musa, joined in studio by Sienna T and Makara. 
And we are joined here by Carmi Levy, who is a tech analyst. Carmi, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. What an absolute joy to be here with you guys today. Oh, absolutely. It's it's, a it's real our pleasure. pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. As have I. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing, please. So I was born and raised in Montreal. Uh, so, and, but I live in Ontario now. I've been here for about 25 years. Um, and, and growing up in Montreal was an interesting experience as, you know, Quebec, uh, you know, very strong sort of French background. So I am bilingual, um, when I uh, went to, uh, Concordia, graduated journalism from there, uh, and worked, uh, in media, worked for what is now Bell Media, but at the time was Astral Radio. Um, th th that was kind of like my first sort of exposure to media in Montreal. Um, and so I kind of floated between English and French, kind of got my, um, you know, sort of got my grounding and how to operate within a within a newsroom, but also discovered something that, you know, I'd be working in the newsroom and we'd get some new equipment, new technology, uh, a new computer would come in and everybody would look at it and just kind of shrug and they were kind of afraid of it. And then they go back to what they were already using. And I would just roll up my sleeves and start playing with it. And next thing I knew, everybody was asking me questions about all this new stuff. Uh, and I was able to just kind of figure it out. I wasn't trained in technology or anything. I just kind of liked it. It was neat. Uh, and then before long, we were using these newfangled new computers to do really cool things and to turn newscasts around faster and to work remotely and to do all kinds of things that we couldn't do previously in the newsroom. And then someday someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, you know a lot about this technology stuff. Maybe that's what you should do for a living. And so that was kind of how I started my journey toward being a technology journalist and analyst was that um, I realized that tech was the story that wasn't being told. When, when you thought about technology journalism at the time, it was, you know, how many megahertz is your computer? How big is the hard drive? How big is the screen? It was the kind of stuff that most people just didn't care about. They would just roll their eyes. If you were a nerd, sure, it was neat, but no one else really cared about it. My mom didn't care about it. And so I thought there, there can be a better way to help people understand why this stuff is so cool. I think it's awesome. I want everyone else to think it's awesome too. Um, so bit by bit, that's kind of where I ended up. I, I I spent a few years in working in information technology in IT. I ran help desks for some really large financial services companies, insurance companies in Montreal and Toronto um, and in London. Uh, and then I was a project manager, application development uh, team lead. Uh, and so I helped developers create code. Like I've, I've done some really crazy tech stuff, um, but always missed the communication. And then eventually, you know, broke out on my own, combined those two uh, into one. How do you tell technology stories in a different way um, so that everyday folks can understand and appreciate them? And it turns out there aren't a whole lot of people doing that. And the industry wasn't doing a terribly good job of it. And I really love telling those stories, which kind of leads me to here. Technology is my passion. Um, I love seeing how it it enhances the way people live. I love how it opens up accessibility, you know, lets people take part in society regardless uh, of where they come from. I am a stroke survivor uh, and technology has been a critical tool to help get me back to where I am today. I, you know, when I had my stroke, I was nonverbal and paralyzed on my right side. Thanks to technology, I've, I'm back. Uh, and so, you know, it, there are all these wonderful, miraculous stories of technology and they touch us in ways that we don't even begin to imagine. And 
I get to spend my days telling these stories and that's my career. And I tell you, that is, uh, you know, I, I, I realize how lucky I am because, uh, you know, not many people get to say that work doesn't really seem like work. But when I see folks have those eureka moments and they're like, oh, I really had no idea about that. That was a really neat story you told. I know that I'm on the right track and it's a it's a pretty cool way to spend your days. I think that's interesting, though. And, and you know, because um, now even like, see, for me, um, you know, being see, I'm, I mean, and, you know, even, even for me, I'm, you know, being totally blind, I think that this has been, you know, I, I get to enjoy I, you know, the passions that I have of technology and sport, listening to sports and all that sort of thing. Right. I never let that, that stop, you know, I never let that stop me from being who, and you can sort of relate to that from doing what it is that I like to do. And actually it's funny. I had uh, Roger Lajoie on, on, on Friday. Um, and, um, um, you're familiar with Raj, right? Uh, not probably not as much as you are. <laughs> no, but um, like he, um, you know, he he does a number of shows on Sportsnet Five Night of the Fan. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I and I've, I've seen him on I've seen him on TV. I've heard him on radio. I don't know a whole lot about his backstory though. But yeah, he's yeah, a no, but phenomenal he, sportscaster. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I mean. But he said, um, he you know he actually like when I had when I had put it out on on Twitter that when his episode was posted, he put out there something along the lines of that the young gentleman show quote I was on today is, you know, he's, he, he's blind, but he never let that stop him. So what will it take for something about your journey or something, something along that line? Um, and I retweeted it too. So, right. Oh, and it cool. just, yeah. And it goes to show me and it just shows there that, um, that uh, just that we can just do, you know, as long as we have the right attitude and the right, mind frame that we can do what we want what we are enthusiastic about doing absolutely you know i i i grew up when i was a kid i had problems with my hips so they were they were developing wrong and so i had to have surgeries i had to have casts put on um i had to have intense physiotherapy i spent most of my time from um age four to age six in an a-frame cast um, and then, you know, years of physiotherapy after that. So I was delayed. I, I didn't walk at the same age as everyone else. I didn't learn to swim or ride a bike or whatever. And I was usually in hospital when my friends were in school. Um, but the cool thing is, is that I learned then and I'd, I'd be like in a hospital room. I'd be surrounded by other kids who had other ailments. There's always someone who's worse off than you, right? There's always someone who, you know, I was able to get into a wheelchair and wander the hospital at night. Uh, Dimitri, who was in the bed next to me, couldn't. He was in traction. So I'd wander the hospital and come back and tell him what I saw. You know, there'd be kids who had cancer uh, and, you know, their lives were uh, at risk. And, and so you always think there's always someone worse off than you and you can't control what happens to you, but you sure can control how you respond to it. How are you going to use that experience to carry yourself forward? And you know, I always figured, OK, look, that happened to me. No biggie. I learned a lot along the way. And I learned about determination and fighting to get yourself back. And that really is the thing is that, you know, the world's a pretty rough place and it's going to beat us each up here and there. And, and that's just the way it is. It's I, I'm and I'm OK with that. I, 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 I'm OK with a challenging life rather than an easy one. Um, but it's, are you going to lie there and take it? Or are you going to get up and, you know, figure your way around technology to me, it's just a tool set. You put these tools in your pocket, you figure out how to use them and you figure out how to get back to whatever it is that you love to do. And to me, that is, to me, that's, that's the, those are the ingredients for a life well lived. 
it means that you wake up every morning thinking, how am I going to make a difference today? How am I going to move the bar? How am I going to make other people around me smile? Um, and I know it sounds trite and it sounds overly optimistic, but um, you know, we're all given a limited amount of time on this planet. What kind of influence are we going to leave behind? What kind of legacy are we going to leave behind? Steve Jobs used to say, you know, his goal was to leave a ding in the universe. If I'm not leaving a ding in the universe, then why am I here? And that, you know, to me is kind of the the whole point of this life thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's funny to say, because in, in one way or another, it, it comes down to um, uh, how you are going to, like, see, this is what I'm presented with. And this is my opportunity to, to shine or to make a difference in somebody's life. There are many things that we are not able to control. And it's one of those things that it comes down to, you have to sort of kind of wheel your way to, you know, and take it one step at a time. What is it that I'm going to do for you? You know, and in fact, you know, even if I can give you a simple tip, anybody a simple tip going, okay, you know, um, this is what, you know, this is how I use the computer. These are the things that I do. But let's start by, you know, how it can work for you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, um, a lot of it comes down to, fr- like, people get, like, frustrated easily when they have to learn something new or they have to adapt to a new way of doing things. And I sort of look at it and go, um, you have to allow yourself to adapt and find that way absolutely you know i your use of the word frustration i think is key because a lot of people are frustrated with how today's technology works it doesn't always work the way it's supposed to it isn't always as easy to use as it should be um you know it isn't always apparent sometimes it behaves in ways that are just completely confusing i just want to get you know i I just want to read the message and answer it and then get back to my life but you know the the technology doesn't cooperate um and that's why like to me the the answer to that is simplicity right i always try to find a way okay let's 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 turn off the noise let's simplify it let's kind of let's focus on the one thing that we're trying to do uh, and let's make it as easy to understand as possible and if if we can do that if folks can take one thing away i learned one thing from this conversation uh, then we've succeeded. Then we've we've helped people improve their lives somewhat. We've helped them FaceTime with uh, with their parents. That we've helped them uh, figure out how to do online e-payments. We figured out how to help them figure out how to order their groceries remotely um, and not have to go to the store if they don't want to. They they feel like little things, and individually they are. But when you have that eureka moment and you figure out that one thing that makes a key difference in your life, a positive difference in your life. How cool is that? And then you're motivated, of course, to go learn something else and then something else. And then every day there's a new lesson. Um, isn't that the whole point of life, right? It's to learn new things. But that to me is uh, that that's why I love this space, because technology offers up that opportunity that every day you can wake up and figure out something new. You can discover something that you literally didn't know when you woke up. Uh, but when you go to bed, you're like, oh, that's me. I I learned that and 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 I and and I was able to have a positive impact on people around me. That is I think that's what keeps me going because I never quite know what's going to happen later on in that day, but I do know that it'll be neat and I do know that the folks that whose paths I cross 
they're going to learn something along the way based on something that I may have written, that I might have said, something they might have heard. Um, I think that's a pretty powerful way to go through this world. Uh, and it certainly beats the alternative. Sure. And, and the other thing is, too, like, and, and another example is all the different, like, see, the other thing is kind of relating to that is all these different, is all the different uh, calendars. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, like, you know, I mean, okay, like, okay, I use the, the, the iCloud calendar. Now, if somebody sends me a Google calendar, somebody sends them a Google calendar invitation. Well, okay, how do I? Okay, well, now, both of those services make it very easy to, um, or simple mm-hmm. to accept those invitations. Absolutely. All you have to do is like, it'll hit your inbox like any other message does. And all you have to do is open it up and look for the great big yes button. And then as soon as you hit yes, some some magic cool stuff happens in the background that automatically gets added to your calendar. The link to the me- to the, the meeting literally sits in your calendar at the appointed time. That's exactly what happened when you sent me the invitation for this uh, session. I, I, I had to click one thing on my phone and everything was set up in all the places that it needed to be. Um, there is a lot of stuff going on in the background to make that happen. But as far as you and I are concerned, you sent me a message. I said yes, and everything was set up from that point on. Then it, all I had to do is click on it at the appointed time, and now here we are, magically speaking, and I can see you, and you can see me, and we can hear each other. Uh, this is, you know, sometimes I stop and I think about it. I'm like, here I am sitting in my house, and I'm chatting with some really cool people um, because they they sent me a message that I got on my phone. How amazing is that? Like, do we ever just stop and go, this stuff is miraculous? It. It, it lets us do things we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. How, where would we be without tools like Zoom uh, or Microsoft Teams or Slack that let us communicate with really awesome folks in faraway places? Uh, in, and, and we don't have to be technology experts in order to do it. I didn't have to program anything to accept this meeting. Nope. I just did. And now the magic is happening. And Oh man, like not a day goes by that I don't kind of, you know, sort of smack myself on the, you know, on the back and go, man, that was neat. That was really neat. And this is you know, yet another one of those cool moments. Yeah. And also too, right. You see, and you can also, and you can also have your Google calendar account set up in the, in the iPhone's calendar. Mm-hmm. And that it's interesting because I'm, you know, my, my own use case, like I, I feel it's important that if I'm going to write and talk about technologies that I have to use those technologies myself. So exactly. Course, yeah. So yeah, we, we call it uh, in the industry, eating your own dog food. I know it sounds like a weird thing to say, but it's like, you know, unless I roll up my sleeves and, 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 and learn and, you know, break stuff and, and learn from the experience and the process, then how can I speak about it? Where's where's my credibility? And so I use an iPhone and I decided consciously years ago that I really liked Google stack. So I use uh, you know Google's apps on top of the iPhone in addition to all the other stuff that Apple gives you. Um, and so the neat thing is, is like I have to play in both camps, right? I have, to, yeah. I have to use Apple's technology and I have to use Google's technology. And there are reasons why you would prefer one or the other. Sometimes exactly. I use Apple Maps when I drive. Sometimes I use Google Maps, depends on my mood. But I love living in a world where we have a choice and and it's good for us as consumers because then companies like Google and Apple are kind of looking at each other going, oh, is stuff good enough? Oh, they just introduced a new feature. I'm going to have to introduce a new feature. Um, and and things improve faster and better over time because there's competition. So I love looking at my iPhone knowing I've got all those products kind of sitting on it. Uh, and I'm benefiting from them because the, the two companies are beating each other over the head, competing each other to see who's best. I 
love that stuff. And it means that my iPhone is an incredibly, incredibly powerful tool that I put in my pocket. And, and almost by the day, it gets better because of that, because I'm always getting new software that allows me to expand those capabilities. Yeah. And, and you're, and I'm guessing then, so you, do you have it set up? Do you have, did you uh, in the, in the Google calendar as well, like the, uh, in the Apple calendar app, or are you using both the iCloud and the Google calendar separately? I'm using both and they're both connected. So if I get a, if I get a message in, so everything comes into my Gmail inbox because I consolidate all my accounts into there. In the mail app? uh, The Gmail app on the iPhone. Oh, in the Gmail app. Okay. Yeah. So then once once I once I set it up there, it then uh, populates it into iCloud. So like it'll be on the iPhone's native uh, calendar um, and I'll get alerts on the iPhone because they're fed from from Google software. And it's all just it all just happens in the background. It's all natural. And the cool thing about it is, is when I flip over to my iPad or when I open up uh, a browser on my desktop, uh, whether it's a, a Mac or a Windows machine, doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what browser I'm using either. Yeah, <laughs> it's all there. And I, I like, I'm, I'm just old enough, Ali, that I remember very well when you know email was very tied to the device that it was on. You and yeah, like pop three or something. Exactly, and you were always. Oh, that was were, terrible. Yeah, and you were always syncing between different devices. And oh, I already downloaded it on that laptop, so I can't get at it any, anymore because it's no longer on the server. Well, now we have web-based services that automatically feed it to whatever device we're on, uh, and everything is seamless. Everything just updates automatically in the background. And so I'm thinking less and less about managing the technology in the background, so I don't have to be an engineer with my sleeves rolled up. I can just interact, and I can just use it day to day and not really think about it, which is kind of the whole point. We, we you know, I, I ride my bicycle, but I'm not, a, I'm not a bike mechanic. I know people drive their cars, and they're, they're not car mechanics. So why should we have to be computer engineers in order to use our technology? It's become so seamless now that I don't even think about it. I'm walking the dog. I get an invitation. I say yes to it. I come <laughs> back. I come back to my home office, and everything is all set up and waiting for me. I don't even have to update my calendar. It's all there. And so I, I used to be terrible. I used to, you know, miss meetings and stuff because I the notifications didn't go off right. I didn't populate it into the right calendar on the right device. I don't have to think about that anymore. Everything just happens. And and I, that's that's kind of where technology needs to go. It needs to get to a point where we don't have to fiddle with it so much to make it work, but it just works. And I love that. I It's one of the reasons why I was always such a follower of Steve Jobs and that, you know, he he passionately believed that, you know, the technology doesn't really mean a whole lot unless it works for everybody. Um, and, and that simplicity uh, is is the difference between, say, my you know 80 something year old mom using technology and not using technology and you know when you use technology you're part of the conversation when you don't you're not and you become more isolated so it really does help improve the way people live yeah and uh, yeah and uh, Sienna, you have a question go ahead please or a comment yeah it's really interesting carmi um that you mentioned like you know just being able to use the technology and just you know click one button and the magic happens and i you know i i like to um share um a a, te- a testament to that if i may and it's interesting sure. because like uh you know my grandmother for example um yeah, started please. using an ipad in 2018 mm-hmm. and um you know we were always on our our 
<laughs> iPhones and iPads and, you know, looking stuff up. And she would always tease us. She'd go, yeah, you guys with your phones and your iPads, I'm never going to be able to use one. I'm too old. And, you know, I kept saying to her, never say never, never say you're too old because you're never too old, you know, and, and here she is fast forward to that. That was pre 2018. Then fast forward to 2018. Um, you know, she got an iPad, you know, between mm -hmm. myself and my sister and my mom, we, you know, and, and all the aunts and uncles and cousins, um, you know, all her children and grandchildren, we would show her how to do something. And it, it got to a point where she was able to figure stuff out on her own. Um, she just says, oh, I just tinker around. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, because she's getting the hang of it, or she, she'll, you know, be able to send a message to her cousins in Italy and and she was just so amazed at how now you don't need to um phone long distance to talk to family in Italy she could just you know go on to messenger hit the video call button and that's where the magic happens and you know it it just goes to show that um you know technology really does facilitate things and really does allow you to do what you enjoy. So for example, um, I am one of the co-hosts of a uh, technology workshop at CNIB. Mm -hmm. um, so shout out to uh, CNIB, shout out to uh, CNIB Extravaganza. Yes. Now I'm sure, have you heard, you've heard of the CNIB, right, Carmi? I have. They've got yeah. a, uh, they've got a, a pretty active uh, chapter here in London, Ontario. Yeah. Where I live. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and I've, I've had some friends and family members who've availed themselves of their services and uh, they're, they're, you know, uh, I'm going to use a bad word. They're freaking heroes. Um, let's, let's call them that. This is, you know, resources to a community that hasn't always had access to resources. And, and as, as they've evolved, they've really become an absolute beacon um, and, and quite frankly, a really great voice for accessibility, even beyond the visually impaired community. They're just absolutely tremendous folks. Mm -hmm. Shout your, out to CNIB. <laughs> your, your, your grandmother sounds like someone, first of all, I, I'd love to meet her. She sounds like totally cool. Oh, she um, is totally cool. And, she's... and and she's on her iPad, so we can. Uh, and yeah. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll, her on the show. We'll get us. We'll get us all on the show sometime, oh, real soon. I would, yeah. I would love that. But you know, Sienna, that story uh, is that's why I do what I do, right? Because if you think about what she what it would have been like in 2017, where calling Italy would have been an expensive, rare occasion. Um, it was she was limited because she didn't have access to this technology, and now. Now she's got an iPad. She's figured it out. You know, she's she, she stumbled around and then learned from that experience. And now she can turn it on any time. And now she's having video conferences across the ocean for as yeah. long as she wants. And, and, you know, economics aren't part of it because it's free for as long as you've got power and connectivity. That mm -hmm. to me is is transformative. That's the that, 
the magic of technology because suddenly it's like, oh, that is absolutely remarkable. We moved far from home. And, and when we moved, it was the late 90s, but we made sure that we had we had a computer that was internet capable. We made sure that my you know parents and in-laws had the same technology so they'd be able to see us and see our kids mm -hmm. uh, as they grew up. And, and that's been integral to us. It would not have been the same if we didn't have access to that technology all these years. And so it is a game changer for the way people live. And individual stories like this reinforce why it's so important for us to have those conversations within our families to ensure that that everyone has an opportunity to get an iPad or get a device or get a phone, whatever it is, uh, and play with it and learn yeah. and and, you know, maybe break it, right? Like maybe the app, you know, oh, oops, I, I, I blew the settings on the app. I'm going to have to uninstall it and reinstall it. I'll figure it out. Like that, those experiences are how we learn and how we expand the envelope of usability so that we can do more and communicate with more people in more meaningful ways. That is, that is everything. And in fact, like, like I, I would take that story, your grandmother's journey, um, that to me is, that explains the why. Uh, mm -hmm. of, of why this is so important for all of us and why I love this as much. Yeah. As I love. And you mentioned Zoom back there, too. You see, mm -hmm. we wouldn't be able to do, you see, you know, and look at this. And with Zoom One Pro, like which it, you get everything you need with that. Oh, Zoom is amazing. I, I I think back to the beginning of the pandemic, right? When everyone all of a sudden had to go into lockdown and yeah. well, how are we going to live? How are we going to get stuff done? How are we going to work? How are we going to go to school? Um, you know, all the things that we take for granted you know, are all of a sudden gone. They're off the table. And technologies like Zoom made it possible. I, I can't imagine what would have happened if we'd had the pandemic even 10 or 15 or 20 years earlier before all of these technologies were available. But because they were, because it happened in 2020, we had Zoom. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, just turn on your webcam, load the Zoom app and go. And that is, you know, like now we take it for granted. I can, I can Zoom anybody. I can Microsoft Teams anyone or Skype them or FaceTime them. And 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 we're live uh, and I no longer have to worry about geography. I no longer have to worry about timing. Um, I can get stuff done. I can keep things moving. Um, but a few years ago, this was a really big deal. And if we didn't have it, we would have been in a much more kind of, you know, think students would have been able to work and employees would not have been able to work. Companies would have literally ground to a halt because we wouldn't have been able to interact in the same way. Yeah, it's not the same. It's still on your desktop. Sometimes the connection glitches out. That's fine. But bottom line is, is it, 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 it kept us afloat. And, and to this day, like now that we've had that pandemic experience, I think we all look at tools like Zoom much, much differently. And I am, I am such a huge fan of it. Uh, I, I keep the icon. Uh, on my desktop so that I never forget where it is. Um, and I use it every day, like all, sometimes all day, every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and even if I don't physically meet anyone, because I work from home uh, for the most part, um, I am so connected with so many people in all sorts of places. And I've become much more connected because of this than I ever would have been if I didn't have access to the, this technology. So, uh, you know, I always say like a silent thanks to the folks who invented Zoom because uh, yeah. they, are, they are awesome and and they deserve our thanks because they created something truly. Yeah. And look at all the new features they continue to add, like that continuous meeting chat feature they added. Look at all that. I love that. 
because what they're doing is they're 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 observing uh, how we use the tool day to day. So if you're working for for Zoom, you see on your servers all the data, all the analytics that that are sort of flowing across your system every day. You're getting feedback from people on social media, through your website, uh, via email, whatever you know, whatever channel, people are always telling you, hey, this works, that doesn't, um, it would be really cool if you added X, Y, and Z. Uh, and so every, almost like every few days, weeks, there's something yeah. new to try. And that makes a huge difference. I remember when they integrated chat uh, into it so that you could actually text chat in the background and then you could chat with individual people. And that made a huge difference because when you're sitting around in a virtual meeting, you don't always want to speak to the entire group, but sometimes you just want to tell the speaker, hey, your tie is undone. You might want to very quietly fix it without anyone else knowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like a little thing, but it really isn't because it it allows us to communicate in a much more natural way. And, it, you know, it's it's not like the way software used to be, where you used to have to wait for a great big update. Now they just kind of roll the change. You wake up in the morning and you, you see a little notification, Zoom has been updated on your, on your device. And suddenly you have this cool new feature you didn't have before, and you didn't even have to pay for it. Like, I love that. That's, that's one of the coolest things about the software industry is that they can just remotely roll an update and we all benefit from it. And I think that, and then, you know, we can use it, not whatever, because we know yep. that in a few days, there's going to be another one and another one and another one. And it just never stops. Yeah. I mean, I you see. And, you know, and, and even for, for a type of show that we're doing here, Zoom One Pro is extremely important. It absolutely is. If you if you think about um, what it used to take to get a podcast off the ground or to get any kind of, you know, broadcast type product off the ground, you needed a studio. You needed to build a studio. You needed experts. You needed hundreds of thousands of, of dollars, if not millions of dollars worth of equipment to get stuff done. Uh, you know, for me to do a, a national interview, I used to have to go to a studio that was like the size of a city block uh, and had taken, you know, 30 years of business to get to where it was. Now I open up my laptop in my home office and I'm broadcasting to the world uh, using a, a, the same laptop that anyone else can fairly affordably buy. Um, and that is, uh, it's a remarkable change. And that's happened only in a few years. And, and so it means that all of us have access to these amazing tools. And you're able to create this, these remarkable podcasts from wherever you are. Uh, and I think that is, the word I like to use is democratization. It opens up these avenues, these channels, uh, these ways of communicating with, with audiences uh, that used to be on you know used to be unavailable to all of us um, and now it allows anyone who has an idea to have the voice and to have the tools to connect with people far and wide and that to me is also magical because you know my life is all about communication my life is all about uh, using communication to positively impact lives how 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 cool is that when full, you know it pretty much anyone can now use affordable easy to use tools to do just that i think it's a it's a remarkable transformation and when we look at sort of this era in technology, I think that's going to be one of the most impactful changes that we've seen. Exactly. And, you know, and it's worth it's, you know, and it's worth its price every year too. It's worth its price because, you know, for what you're able to do and, and even the Zoom calendar integration, I'm not sure if you're, whether you're familiar with that, but you can integrate your your calendar with Zoom too. See, I love that because, and, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but like when I, you know, sometimes you'll see me on, you know, an interview or you'll see me live or you'll see me, you'll, you know, you see me on the, you know, in clips on, on the 11 o'clock news. Um, 
pretty much all of those are done using Zoom, um, using the integrated tools on Zoom to drop the, the, the schedule on my calendar. Um, so I spend my day literally like, and my calendar stays up and running. I've got a, another screen here just off to the side and my calendar is there. And then as those requests come in, the zoom blockings get sort of thrown, you know, okay, I got one at two, I got another one at two thirty, And I just move from one to the next, uh, cause otherwise I'd be completely lost. So that integration, yeah, it's cool. It, you know, like when it first became available, I thought, oh, that's really cool. But as I've used it day to day, um, it saves me a huge amount of time because it means that as my my calendar is changing very rapidly through the day, um, I don't have to worry that I'm going to miss anything. I, like I tell someone, just throw me the, throw me the invitation; it'll go right onto my calendar, and I'll get the notification, and I won't miss it. Um, then then that's exactly what happens. There there's some, it takes away a lot of the what I like to call administrivia, all the the work that I used to have to do to maintain my calendar. Now it's baked right into Zoom. And I just click on the link at the appropriate at the appropriate. And which calendar did you integrate? Uh, I'm using uh, Google Stack, so um, I, I use the Google um, app because I find it uh, replicates more efficiently across all of my devices. Oh, the Google but, Calendar app. Yeah, so I use the Google Calendar app, but Zoom, like if it, if it's a if it's an invitation with a Zoom link in it, it just automatically flows to there, and then it launches the Zoom app as soon as I click it from the from the, the Gmail app. So the cool yeah. thing is, is it doesn't matter. Like sometimes I leave the house and I, I have to think, which device am I going to take with me? So I take my iPhone. Sometimes I take my iPad. It doesn't really matter because Zoom will work equally well across all of them. And I know that my calendar comes with me and I don't have to worry about syncing it across different devices. Again, I'm not worried so much about the technology. I'm worried about the, about the people who want to talk to me through the course of a day. And the technology just makes all of that seamless, which to me is also a lifesaver because I'm a I'm a team of one, right? I I, I run my show, and uh, I don't have assistance to manage my schedule here. The technology has to do it, and thanks to all these improvements that Google and Apple and Zoom have kind of thrown into their tools over the last couple of years, uh, it's yeah. now dead simple, easy for me to do just that. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts too on the whole on the whole Twitter era. And CN, I know you have a question, but I'm, we're going to get to you in just a second here. Um, um, but I wanted to ask, talk to you about the um, the Twitter, um, uh, w- what's happening to it. What are your thoughts on what's going on there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how much time do we have? We could talk about this all day. No, no, no we've got all the time that we need. Here. Go ahead. Let's keep going. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've been I've been on Twitter now since I think 2007. So like I've been using it for a while. It's been a pretty especially if you work in media, Twitter is a really important tool for you. It has particular appeal uh, in media. And you can see I'm on it too. Yeah, exactly. And we're connected there too. And it's, and it's an incredibly efficient way of, of knowing at a glance what's going on, what's happening today, what's changed over the last few minutes. Like it's, I, I used to call it the, the pulse of the internet. Uh, and, and whenever something was sort of breaking, Twitter was, and to a certain extent still is, the, the first tool that I turned to, do a quick search. Oh, goodness, you know, there's been an earthquake that's going to cause, you know, in California that could have some implications for technology. I'd better be on top of that. Um, Twitter is usually that sort of first resource where these things become apparent. And so it's become an incredibly trusted platform for a lot of good reasons. But obviously, since Elon Musk took over late last year, uh, it's been a bit of a dumpster fire. And, and a lot of the changes that he has made uh, rather autocratically have, have sort of taken away from what made Twitter Twitter. 
uh, taken away from some of the the reasons that we both in media and and in other sectors uh, rely on it so much and it's kind of eroded it there's a lot more noise on the platform there's a lot more toxicity a lot more hate speech a lot more misinformation and disinformation um, and so it's becoming harder and harder to find uh, what you need on Twitter and you sort of have to sift through more uh, you know, noise in order to get to the, the nuggets that that you can actually use the truth. Uh, and so, you know, I'm I'm you know, like many, I'm concerned. I'm still using Twitter. Uh, I'm not off of it, uh, but I am spending less time on it because I just don't get as much value out of it today as I used to. And I've certainly been watching the evolution of Threads, uh, Meta's challenger to Twitter as as it launched uh, earlier this month, and uh, it's that's been an interesting sort of you know, the biggest mortal threat to Twitter's existence since Twitter first launched. Um, and that's an interesting battle to watch. Um, but I, I, you know, as as tumultuous as it is, and as much as I wish Twitter wasn't going through what it's, what it's going through now, I've got to say that competition is a good thing. And seeing both Meta, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg kind of battle it out with, with Twitter and Elon Musk, I think that forces everyone to sharpen their pencils a little bit. And some of the best technology innovation often comes from when big technology companies beat each other up in a competitive marketplace. And so that's kind of what we're seeing now is, yeah, Twitter is a, a bit of a chaotic mess, but, uh, you know, so what? Uh, they'll, they'll figure it out or they won't. Uh, and, and either way, the market will figure out what tools you and I need. Uh, and they will provide them. And, you know, Threads is still fairly new. It's kind of version one. Um, and I'm using it as well because I'm, I'm writing and talking about it. So I should use it and learn like everyone else. Um, but, you know, it too will evolve just like how Twitter evolved. And I think that also is a good thing. Um, and, and the more players come into the market to kind of push each other to improve, uh, the better. Uh, you know, there was a time early in the internet when, Innovation was, you know, Microsoft owned uh, the browser market. Internet Explorer was responsible for most traffic. It came with every Windows computer, so everyone just kind of used it by default. And so for a while, browser technology didn't advance very quickly. And so browsers became slower. They became less secure, less usable. They, they didn't have cool features. They didn't, you know, th there wasn't this sort of new feature coming to your browser every other week because there wasn't any incentive for it. There wasn't a whole lot of competition. Well, and then, you know, along came Firefox and along came uh, Google Chrome. And, you know, that, you know, sort of reintroduced competition into the market. Uh, and now browsers are better than they were then because of that, because you can't afford to sit still. And I think that's exactly the same thing that's happening in in the Twitter space and social media in general is uh, it's it's insanely uh, vicious, this fight between these big giants. But ultimately, we benefit from it because they're forced to innovate uh, and and where it ends up. I don't really know, but yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm glad it's happening. Uh, because it, it gives us a lot to focus on. And in the end, we are going to end up with something better than what we have now. See, the one thing here that that sort of concerns me when it comes to Twitter at this point is, see, I, I'd like for them to be clear about what the future of their native Mac app is. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm still using it. I don't like it a whole lot. but they i wish they would be transparent about that because it has not been updated um since musk took over um it, it it's one of those things where it's like 
do they want to keep it around? Is it time that I start using it on the web when I want to use it on desktop and get rid of the Mac app? Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I worry about um, it. it I, I put that in the same category as uh, as as TweetDeck. Uh, it's kind of the other the, the dashboard that a lot of folks use as well. Um, there's been a lot of sort of question and concern about its future as well. Um, and, and I think the company has laid off upwards of three quarters of its staff since Elon Musk first took over. And my fear is, is that a lot of the Mac centric developers who created that app are gone um, and that it's not really a priority. And we don't really see a whole lot into the inner works of Twitter anymore. Elon Musk doesn't really want to show his cards. Um, but I suspect that uh, he's just not touching it because the people who would know how to, use, how, to, how to program it, how to update it, no longer work for the company. Um, and if it isn't broke, you know, they won't fix it. They'll just leave it and kind of leave it in its untouched uh, state stage. Um, it's unfortunate because there are a lot of, and you, you touch on something that I think really concerns me here is that there are a lot of really important functions around the Twitter landscape, uh, the ecosystem, I like to call it, that um, are either not being updated or are breaking over time or are going dark. Uh, that uh, the company probably doesn't care about. For example, they're charging now developers to access their API, their application programming interface. Just about every other big tech company gives away their API because they want people to use it and create cool new services and apps and uses for it on top of it. Um, it's kind of what Apple does. They give away their developer tools for the most part so that developers will create cool apps for the iPhone. Um, and that's uh, what do we have now? We have we have an app store with millions of cool apps in it. Um, same thing with Twitter before Elon Musk. That API was free, and so you had all these services that would automatically ping out uh, notifications about wildfires, weather alerts, emergency services, emergency responders, you know, public service organizations, governments. Um, I had all sorts of automatic notifications on my device all through Twitter that I knew exactly when a tornado was bearing down on my neighborhood. Um, and I knew exactly when to seek cover, little things like that. I was on the Trans-Canada uh, Highway near Wawa uh, earlier this summer, and there was a wildfire threatening the highway, uh, and Twitter alerts allowed us to drive around it. Um, and a lot of these services are now going dark because of the policies that Elon Musk has introduced at Twitter, and developers are saying, I can't afford $42,000 a month for something that I used to get for free, so I'm just not going to maintain that service that I created, and, and it's going to die. Uh, and so the problem here is, is that apps like like the Mac version of Twitter uh, aren't getting the attention they deserve and they're just dying on the vine. TweetDeck, same thing, um, which I know a lot of organizations rely on. It's kind of like a dashboard for Twitter. Uh, that isn't being updated. And then at some point, we're hearing that it's going to be put, the next version is going to be behind the firewall. So you have to pay for it. Um, you know, and, and, and so all of the reasons we would use tw uh, Twitter up until now that it was this really cool public service, public utility. Uh, they're now one by one disappearing. And so we have less and less reason to use the platform. And I'm sort of hoping that as Meta's Threads becomes more popular and as other tools, Blue Sky, for example, created by Jack Dorsey, uh, that just passed a million uh, downloads and they're only in beta. Um, uh, that, 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 
Yeah, and Mastodon and Post News and Hive Social, that they'll be looking at this going, mm, okay, so how do we get developers on board to create these cool new applications that you know went, that no longer exist on Twitter? And how do we get people to come over? So I think that's kind of where the next big battle is. But there's a lot of innovation there that didn't get a whole lot of attention amid all the noise about, you know, around Elon Musk, but I think it should. And I think it will. And I, again, I as as much as I don't like having all those notifications not available on Twitter, I really am glad that the community at some point is looking at who else is out there and where can I create these new apps there. And that over the next few months, that's going to get sorted out too. See, and you can follow me on threads as well. Make sure to give me a follow at ATOM Podcast 819. So um uh right. So see, but I think in a lot of ways that's where Twitter is certainly. Um, it has its downfall, but see, as a media person, right? I, I he's like right now, I have to be there. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I I always get that too, Ali. It's like people go, well, "Why are you still there?" I said, "Well, because most of my network is still there too, and there's still value to being part of that network." And I spent years building up, you know, folks who I follow and who follow me, and that network has some investment in it and you don't walk away from that easily and you're still getting interaction i still get people interacting with what i post and i still find other things that trigger me to stories that i should be covering or you know things that i should be talking about so there's still value there and I, I, you know, I, I may not be Elon Musk's biggest fan anymore. I was a huge fan when, you know, SpaceX was, was, was perfecting reusable rocketry. And as, as he was rewriting the rules of the electric vehicle market with Tesla, I, I, I don't take away from the innovation that Elon Musk has brought to the world, but watching sort of not just what he's done with Twitter, but how he's done it, his disregard for the people who worked for him, um, his outright unkindness and meanness. Um, I can't tolerate that. And so I'm less of a fan now than I was before, but uh, that doesn't mean that I'm going to take my ball and go home. Uh, I, I'm going to use the, the platform, and this is like it is with any technology. If it gives you value to a certain degree, then use it. If it doesn't, then find something else to use. It's not black and white. There's a lot of gray in the middle. And I think right now we're in the sort of the middle of this gray period with you know, a lot of a lot of questions being asked and not not many of them being answered. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still worth the, you know, five minutes at the beginning of the day, maybe a few times during the day to quickly check in just to see what's going on. And and as long as that continues, I'll stay on Twitter. Uh, if that ceases to be the case at some point, and if I can no longer find the things that that help me do my work, well, then I'll probably have to make a decision at some point, but I'm not there yet. And and uh, just, you know, signing off just because I've got a hate on for Elon Musk. It's not that's not the reason we should be making technology decisions at all. It all comes down to what I like to call ROI. If the return on investment, the time that you put into it is is balanced off by the value that you get out of it, you get more value then keep using it. If that's no longer the case, find some other way to spend your time. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, no, that's that's it. Now, Sienna, you had a quote. You I saw your hand go out. You had a question. You had something to add to the either. Do you have something to add either to the Zoom thing that we were talking about and the Twitter stuff as well? Whatever you'd like to comment on. Um, Actually, it's uh, a bit of both, actually, uh, circling back to the Zoom um piece for uh, just a moment. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's so true. Like, Zoom has totally changed things. You know, I never would have thought. Um, I I I remember a time when I used to be like, oh, I'm getting bored, right? Like, you know, like at the beginning of 
the pandemic, I was like, I'm feeling a little bored. What do I do? You know? And Mm -hmm. then um, thanks in part to zoom. And um, once again, a huge thanks to CNIB for allowing us the opportunity to participate and um, as a volunteer lead um, workshops that were originally covering just our localities and now are able to cover um, a national um, a, a, a national framework as it were and we we're able to we're able to you know, reach out to people all over the world and meet people from, well, especially um, with our CNIB workshops, clients all across the country. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure nobody would have thought that that would actually happen. And, you know, it, it really, really makes it possible for us to connect with people in a way that nobody would have I'm sure nobody would have thought possible and it just really just to see it take off and to see that today um, you know we're still able to use zoom you know we're still able to uh, keep these workshops national in a lot of cases and it's it's amazing it's it's truly amazing Um, you know we have people from as far west as BC and as far east as Newfoundland and, you know, all gathering together across time zones to share our interests and share our passions. And it, it's so amazing to see. Oh, I, I, you know, I love hearing this, Sienna. You know, kudos to the folks at CNIB for recognizing the opportunity in the pandemic to expand the scope from you know local coverage to regional and national coverage to ensure that the audience could be as far and wide as possible that no matter where you lived you could benefit from these amazing workshops and you know Mm -hmm. how to how to make sure that everyone could participate in them Um, and then also as the pandemic kind of slides into the rear view recognizing that Oh, you know, we, we we don't have to go back to the way it no. was before. We can keep that broader focus because now we have a national community, coast to coast to coast, yeah. who are benefiting from this. And to me, that is the you know that's one of the you know it's not just that the technology made it possible; it's that really smart people saw that potential and decided to take advantage of it, and then allowed good folks like you to just roll with it. Uh, and then, and then, didn't impose any more constraints on on you as the pandemic slid into the rear view. So, like, there's a lot of it's technology coming to life, but only because really, you know, cool, kind, good-hearted people recognize that potential uh, and allowed you to make that happen. And I, I think that is, you know, when I think of, I use the term use cases all the time. It's mm-hmm. you know s- situations where technology does good. Uh, and this is a great use case to sort of highlight to people. It's like, how does technology make people's lives better? Oh, don't look no further than this, because now you have countless people across the country who are benefiting from this because CNIB decided this was going to be a priority. Man, that is, uh, if that doesn't keep me going in this industry, then nothing else will. That's an amazing, amazing story. Great outcome. Uh, and I sure hope the folks at CNIB step forward and uh, and you know accept the accolades that they so richly deserve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and 
kudos and and in the same way it's allowing us to not only share our passion for technology and um making lives better through sharing our knowledge of technology and you know it also allows us to learn as well and and you know um every time i am at one of the extravaganza workshops i too you know i'm as i'm helping others i'm always finding myself walking away with something new under my belt hey you know i figured out hey this is this is neat i didn't know you could someone will share a tip and i'd be like hey i didn't know i could do it this way <laughs> hey this is easier so it 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 almost seemed like it's a win win oh it totally is and you know it's it's funny like you're 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 taking your time to share your expertise through the by leading these workshops and that is i mean that's that that's you know like so good on you for for even taking that you know for even you know making that investment the world needs more folks like you to do that um and now you have you know now you recognize that it's two ways right that every conversation is a potential to learn uh and that folks who previously were disconnected well now they're connected and they can add back into the conversation they can yeah. help others too and i it, it's a virtuous circle right i i learned something from every conversation that i have um and and it, 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 you know, I kick myself to think, well, before we had tools like Zoom, uh, there were so many conversations that didn't get to happen because the technology just wasn't there. You know, mm -hmm. in, in the middle of a Canadian winter, you're, you're, you you can't get out to, you know, go to a physical place. You're stuck home or whatever. You can't travel as easily. Well, now with Zoom, that doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection and the right device with a basic camera, a smartphone will do it. Uh, then mm -hmm. you're now part of the conversation. And and I love that we're at the beginning of an era where all these conversations are now starting to happen um, and everyone can participate and yeah. everyone can teach everyone else. And it sounds super simple. It isn't. Um, it, it isn't at all. And uh, I know some folks who, you know, for them, that Zoom call is their only connection to other folks, other humans in the course of a given day. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about that, that you know, so I'm going to be on for an hour with a bunch of people. And that's like the only time I'm going to be able to communicate with anyone else. That is, that's a life-changing event. It, it might seem simple to us. It isn't. And multiply that out by how many millions of people are using this? How many thousands of people across the CNIB landscape yeah. are, are using this now? And, you know, your mind kind of blows at how much benefit uh, that is now providing. And uh, I, uh, I'm a writer, but I have no words for that. It's just wonderful. Yeah, and and you're right. You know, it seems so simple, but it it's it's really not. It's really like breaking down barriers, squashing barriers on so many levels. And mm -hmm. you know, who would have dreamt of that? I I'm still very, very much. Um, <laughs> you know, every day I'm I'm so awestruck by the barriers that technology is able to um is able to eliminate i love hearing that and and i i i would challenge anyone who's who's watching us today to never lose that sense of being awestruck like in other words this should never become normal to us never be numbed to the fact that this technology is as wonderful as it is always stop at some point and go how cool is this 
and then think about the mm -hmm. impact that it's having on those who otherwise wouldn't have that accessibility. Uh, you know, I've I've written uh, throughout my career at various points about accessibility and technology because I think that's one of the areas where it can truly transform lives. Um, and and as the technology gets better, right? We're getting more bandwidth, more power. Um, you know, the smartphone that's in your pocket right now has more power than a supercomputer did 10 years ago. Um, yeah. like, you know, like everything about it is better than something you and I couldn't afford five years ago. Like it's just freaks me out how powerful these things are. And so we never want to lose that sense of wonder, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what keeps us looking for the next big thing. Because it's it's allowing people to participate who otherwise would have been shut out, would have been locked out, uh, would have been you know disenfranchised, marginalized, um, and technology offers that chance to have them come in and do so affordably in a routine manner, in an easy to use manner. Um, and I I never want to get to a point where that is oh, okay, that's fine. Like like I never want this to be just ho hum. This no. stuff is remarkable and there, everyone has a story. And I think it's our job to kind of pull those stories out and share them because um, it encourages us to then go out and maybe write some more stories like this, too. Yeah, exactly. And did you have thoughts, you know, on the on the on uh, Twitter before we hand it to Makara? And then there's a couple more, a few more things I want to get to. So go ahead if you have any comments on Twitter. Absolutely. So um, and uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, I've taken to looking at it the same way you know um when it comes to the technology you know when you're not a fan of the the way the technology's going um and you know the the person who is behind the technology um you know that's not really a reason to um go off of it especially when it comes to like social media or just technology in general when it comes to software mm -hmm. um you know and i find too and i've 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 learned this as well that you know i was using um other software i do a little bit of uh, internet radio as a hobby mm -hmm. um and what's really interesting is that you know uh software that i was using for a little while now i um, you know, it's always good to experiment with other things. And, uh -huh. um, but at the same time, it's really about how much value you're getting. And, you know, the technology that I was using before, um, you know, it just, it's a great technology, but it just wasn't meeting my needs the way it once did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after, um, a lot of experimentation and um, a lot of playing around, I finally found the software that is comfortable for me. So definitely, I would encourage playing around with the technology, and then um, that will give you a better understanding of what best meets your needs for the task at hand. Okay, so what were you using? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's amazing advice. Like, you know, because 
you're right. Just because it works today doesn't mean it's going to work tomorrow. The world changes around mm-hmm. um, our, our, you know, around our, our, our needs and our needs change too. So yeah. um, that is, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on a poster and put it on my wall because uh, I need to follow that advice too, but that's incredible <laughs> advice. I'm sorry, Elliot, I did, oh, did no, not mean to jump you. in on oh, you. No, 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 no worries. No worries. No, no. no. Um, so what were you using before and that was not working and what are you using now? So um, I was using a, I was using um, Station Playlist, which is um, a very common um, application on Windows to do internet broadcasting with. And, you know, I had the chance to play around with it, but it was it, it was easy enough to use as far as accessibility was concerned, as far as uh, screen reader use was concerned. Um, but I just found that it wasn't as as far as the user friendliness of it as sim- as simplistic as what i was using now uh what i'm using now which is uh audio hijack on the mac and um audio hijack really makes it a lot easier in the sense that you don't need to worry about if you wanted to have guests on your show um you can just add in the application um you can just add a block and it will pull the audio and and transfer it onto the station it just it just makes things so much more efficient it makes things so much um quicker um another use cases with station playlist it and and don't get me wrong station playlist for windows um it's a great software but it I find like with the Mac and audio hijack, it, um, it just makes it a lot more efficient and it, it saves you a lot of time in creating your playlist. So for example, uh, station playlist, you almost have to, um, because what will happen is if you try to load in all of the songs into a playlist at once, it doesn't put them in in the order that you want necessarily. So you're having to spend a bit of time to rearrange all of the uh, tracks in the order that you want. Whereas Audio Hijack, you can allow it to pull the audio from, say, something like QuickTime Player, where all you have to do is put all your songs in a folder um, reorder them within the folder in your finder and then um, load them in one go all into QuickTime player and it takes about I would say a third if not less of the time that it would take to um, do it in station playlist and then have to rearrange everything so uh, from that standpoint um, it really makes things a lot easier and a lot more efficient. Great story. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Time. Time is everything, right? So mm-hmm. even if even if your current tool lets you do it, if you can find a new tool that, you know, cuts down the time of sort of playing with the back end, fiddling mm-hmm. with the engineering, yeah. get it done. <laughs> then, then that leaves you, it leaves you, it gives you time back. So then you can suspend more time on the content itself 
Or yeah. I don't know, maybe spend less time in total and then you have more time to go, you know, sit under a tree and, you mm -hmm. know, like listen to the birds. Like it, it, yeah. it whatever it is, it's, it's, it's less time spent fiddling is, is yeah. always my key and good on you for recognizing that. I, I think we all need to sort of look at, and I'm always looking at the tools that I'm using going, you know, are they as easy to use as they need to be? What's changed in the world outside? Mm -hmm. uh, is there yeah. something better? Uh, and I think that's part of the fun of of being alive in 2023 is that yeah. there's this constant process of like... Are you like, a Google One user, Kirby? No, I'm not, because uh, it, it yeah. was originally not released in Canada. So I, I sort of found alternate uh, tools for my, you know, voice. I actually prefer a, a, or iCloud Plus, actually. Yeah, I you know, as because I'm sort of baked into the apple ecosystem because you know i i use pretty much mostly apple devices across my home office but of course i keep a smattering of uh windows and android and, and other platforms around because i also write and speak about those uh but you know the rest of my family my wife my kids uh, they all use iphones as well so we're all in that sort of ecosystem so i'm kind of stuck um, because that's what we've chosen to use. But I I, I, I want to share some of the love as well, simply because I, I realize at various points, I need to be able to compare and contrast and it's it's going to have to come out more already. It makes my life a little more uh, chaotic and complex than it needs to be. And sometimes expensive because you have to buy more than one of everything. Yeah, no, see, for more than so one you agree one. with me then? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think- I prefer iCloud Plus. I, you know, what I like about sort of Apple's approach to not just hardware, but services and iCloud Plus is an example of, of, of you know, it's part of Apple's services you know, arm, right? And their services business has grown tremendously in recent years because they've done a really good job of baking it right into the devices that you buy. So if you yeah. buy an iPhone or you buy an iPad, you go into the settings and- A Mac? a mac it's all there right so you can just very easily subscribe to it from within the settings and then it's just on you don't you don't have to install different things you're not playing with it again right back to that time uh element that sienna spoke about so eloquently it's it gives you time back so you know i it makes it easier for me to store my photos and then share my photos and integrate them into my messaging and do all sorts of things because i'm not using a million different solutions it's all right there and you know, Apple has an advantage because they sell the devices as well as the services. Yep. But, you know, hey, let that be an example. They they competed better than other companies. And as a result, they're the first company to, in the tech space to be worth $3 trillion. Good on them. There's a reason for it. Exactly. Yeah. Makara, did you have something that you wanted to add in your eye? And then there are a couple few more things I want to get to with Carmen. So go ahead, Makara. Well, at the risk of just sounding quite repetitive at this point, I just wanted to echo the sentiments that I think we've all been discussing about, you know, connectivity and just being able to participate and engage through Zoom, through different technologies. Like, you know, I, I can attest to being a student during and after the pandemic and how that sort of looked. And it was still, you know, circumstances for everyone are different, but just being able to still get through that effectively enough and still having time for other things in a day or even now you know choosing to do something virtually over zoom not because you necessarily have to but maybe it doesn't make sense personally i can say to to try to find a ride or book a transit somehow and and it just allows for like i said more time in a day and it's it's so great even to be able to do things like this and i i wouldn't have known about any of this if it weren't for 
as we've already said, the virtual programs through CNIB and all that sort of thing. So I just kind of wanted to echo those sentiments again. Absolutely. And I think, uh, Makara, I don't, I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think we could ever overstate that. In other words, we can talk about this all day and repeat it and repeat it because I think it's an important message to repeat is that you know people need to understand how this opens up opportunity and they don't always see it. Um, so I think the more we beat that drum, the better. Uh, and I'm really glad that that is a, a key theme of our conversation today because yeah. it matters to me uh, and I know it matters to you and I know it matters to everyone who's who's tuned in uh, to this episode is that um, you know none of this would even be possible without all this technology. I love how you put it. Um, you know, we we would all we would all just still be disconnected. And to me, that's it's 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 one of the neat things that I feel like when I walk into my home office and I'm like surrounded by all of my technology, all my devices. And before I turn everything on, I just kind of pause for a second and I think, oh, yeah, today I'm going to connect with some really neat people. And then I get into it. But just that one sort of moment, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without any of that technology arrayed in my home that I can somehow and I'm lucky enough to afford it, you know, but I, I didn't have to mortgage my house in order to get this. This is just part of the everyday cost of being who I am. And that is a game changer and it allows us to lead richer lives than would otherwise be the case. And I'm really thankful for it. And I know I'm not the only one. Absolutely. Your thoughts on the online news act, please. I think, uh, you know, having worked in traditional media uh, for at various parts of my career and, and also worked in concert with traditional media pretty much my entire career, um, I've obviously got a lot to say about sort of the, the downward trends uh, in newsrooms across the country that, you know, they've either, you know, drastically reduced their staff or closed entirely. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons for this, obviously, is, is the Internet came along and advertising revenue that used to go to traditional media outlets, newspapers, radio stations, TV stations, magazines, uh, has now virtually entirely shifted to digital players like uh, Meta, like Google, like Twitter. Um, and so, you know, a, a, a different regime was needed. Um, and, and the government, ever since the commercial internet became a thing in the 90s, kind of shrugged its shoulders and said, we're not going to regulate the internet yet. We're going to see how it plays out. Um, we're going to let, you know, the industry figure it out at first. And they've waited going on 30 years. Uh, and they've essentially allowed large American companies to walk in north of the border uh, and redirect all of those advertising dollars that used to go into our communities. And now they're going straight to Mark Zuckerberg's bank account um, and Google's bank account. Um, and none of those benefits come north. It's the same reason, you know, you and I subscribe to Netflix. All those profits go to the U.S. and they don't come back into Canada to create Canadian productions that, you know, we're a part of. So uh, we're essentially gutting the industry and something needed to change. That's where Bill C-18, the Online News Act, that's the, what it was supposed to address. Um, is it perfect? No. Uh, you know, are some of the rules contentious? Yes. Um, did they tick off the big tech companies? Absolutely. Yeah, but this is going to hurt the industry because, see, it if you will. listen, you know, because if you listen yeah. to um, um, and I, I want to give Dave Dave Trafford a shout out here. Yeah. Um, if you listen to the episode that he did on Wednesday on his show now and next with uh, Scott White from The Conversation, who's the CEO of The Conversation, mm -hmm. which is a publication. And. What Dave was saying, and this is a guy who has, this is somebody who has years of experience mm -hmm. in media. 
um, that he and, and I and I agree with, and he's been on all over the map as well. If you want to check out that conversation too, yeah. that what he said that this is only going to hurt the industry, that 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 the government should back down on it, because the reason here because now because it's not going to make it better. They've already got themselves in a bit of a in a bit of a a corner. And one of the things that he said that um that some that these that the telcos know that you know they that are owning these these radio stations and TV stations that they've kind of ruined it. Mm-hmm. And, and and having having worked for one of those telcos, I was a Bell Media employee. I I completely agree, and and I think the you know or, the original in, the reason for telcos like you know Rogers buying media uh, media platforms and Bell buying media platforms was they would then use that content on their networks um, and add value on their networks. So rather you know it's, they call it vertical integration. Um, that unfortunately they don't really appreciate or understand what it takes to run a media outlet and the impact that it has on its community. And they see it as a cost, not as an investment. Um, and so even in the language that Bell Media used when it uh, lopped off 1,300 jobs just last month, um, it was pretty clear that you know they, they have no desire to invest in media uh, and to build communities around media in Canada anymore. Um, and so calls for uh, Bell to divest itself of its media interests and give someone else a chance, um, rather than just closing radio stations, including one in my community, um, you know, have grown much louder. Uh, and so, and I, I I agree with Dave. I've I've been on his podcast. I've I've worked with him when he was in media. I have a huge amount of respect for him. I completely, you know, I fully concur. It's it's the system is broken, and the telcos are part of the blame. Um, I, I think, though, and and I'm not I, I've never believed that Bill C-18 uh, was the magic bullet solution. I don't believe in in panaceas that, you know, one piece of legislation will magically solve this problem. Um, but we've had going on 30 years of no legislation at all. And we've kind of allowed big tech to do as it wishes. And we need something, even if it isn't perfect. And C-18 is far from perfect. Um, you know, the Online News Act has glaring holes and it kind of assumes that technology companies alone are going to redirect some of their revenues and that will be enough for uh, media companies and that it's based on uh, carrying links on their platforms. That is an incredibly narrow minded way of looking at it. And it is uh, ridiculously incomplete and insufficient. Um, but, you know, my sense is uh, uh, an imperfect law is better than no law that at least it gets us something. Um, it, it starts the process. Uh, and then version two, version three, version four of this law uh, will then gradually add the additional pieces, uh, both of funding and policy framework that Canadian media need to survive. Um, because in, in the absence of any legislation, uh, they will continue to spin out of control and eventually cease to exist. And that's kind of where we're headed now. So, you know, I... I, I'm I'm not the world's biggest fan of the online news act, but um, I at least want to get it in. And no law is ever ideal when it's first proposed and when it first becomes law. And it is law now; it's just in the process of being enacted. Um, but I, I think this ongoing conversation needs to start with this, and we will continue to work together to improve it over time. And 
threatening to walk away because you don't like the terms of it to me strikes me it's like behavior of an, the behavior of an impetuous child um it's not how technology companies are supposed to behave you are you need to need to be part of the dialogue and part of the solution so stay at the table and figure it out uh, but threatening to walk away to me is it's just like what they did in australia a couple of years ago when australia enacted a similar law they threatened to go dark there and eventually agreed to be signatories to the law and and the law is now in place and services are being delivered and media or outlets are being paid um so if they could figure it out in australia i don't know why they can't figure it out here and then continue to negotiate with the canadian government uh to figure out better ways of uh, ensuring that media survives and thrives in this country because the current model clearly isn't working and left to its own devices we will have nothing left in a few years but see, that's another thing. But see, the thing is, that, but even in Australia, the numbers show that it's not working the way that they wanted it to either. No, no it's not. And, you know, because the, the 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 level of revenue is simply not there. They put limits or caps. And it's one of the most contentious uh, points of the Online News Act is that uh, Google does not want uh, to be subject to, you know, m you know huge bills, uh, you know, unlimited uh, payments for carrying content on the platforms that there should be caps or limits on them. And that makes sense. You know, you, you don't sort of, you know, you want to know what the ballpark is and you don't want that ballpark to be unlimited. And I get that. Um, and so, you know, they, they impose similar limits in Australia and now, you know, the revenue is, is nowhere near what media needs. I think that the, the answer to that is, is that it's not up to the technology industry to solve the media industry's problems. They're, they're, they're partners now uh, and they're all in sort of in this together, but, it's not uh, Google's or Meta's or anyone else's accountability. It's shared accountability. And so the next step is, is how is government going to find additional sources of funding, ongoing funding for media, um, um, you know, to, to, to lay roots down in their community? And it should not all come from traffic and links on their platforms. Um, so how do you encourage, how do you directly fund uh, the creation of opportunities for journalists? How do you directly fund the the, the creation of opportunities for local research and regional research, the kind of things that, you know, Meta and uh, and Apple and Google would certainly never fund on their own. Uh, you know, Meta uh, had a deal with Canadian Press to, to fund uh, a certain number of journalists in communities across the country, and they just pulled funding for that um, over this bill. So, but why are we leaving it to technology companies to fund that in the first place? It should be the government, um, and we should have more creative ways of ensuring that a media community is cultivated from the ground up, not funded from across the border. But see, now the, the other thing that's happening, too, and, and see, one of the other things that Dave mentioned, too, that was on that particular episode mm -hmm. was that, quote, that the reason, see, that the CBC is doing well in mm -hmm. this sort of market is because that they they are in these smaller sort of they are in these smaller municipalities too. Yep, and the government as as a precondition of the funding they receive from the government and other sources is that they continue to have a presence in those small communities. So, and that is absolutely crucial. Talk to anyone in a small community in Northern Ontario, as I often do on my trips through Northern Ontario, um, and they will say that this is a lifeline to them and that having these, these resources, these radio stations, these platforms go dark um, and not tell those stories and not hold local power to account is unthinkable. Um, yet 
for whatever reason, we accept that companies like Bell Media will just, you know, systematically close half a dozen stations in communities across the country because they just don't, they can't figure out the economics of it. They won't even bother trying to sell it to someone else. Uh, they'll just systematically close it with, and then hand the licenses back to the CRTC. So, you know, the, you know, you, you can say what you want about the CBC. I do a lot of work with them, disclosure. Um, and I've been a, obviously a supporter of them since I was long before I was a journalism student. Um, and, and I think they do, uh, you know, we, we can, we can debate whether this should be publicly funded or not, but I think it's hard to argue against the positive impact they have on the communities they serve. Um, and to me, that's always been uh, the, the, the real value proposition of media in general, is that it tells the local stories that need to be told. It covers the communities in ways that nobody else would. And it deserves to, to you know, have a model figured out for it that is sustainable. Um, and so in, in, its, in the current sort of structure, the CBC uh, is sustainably servicing the communities in which it operates. And I think we as a country lose a heck of a lot if we don't allow that to continue. Um, and, you know, whatever we call it, however we brand it, however, however we fund it, that's up to us to figure out as a country. But we need to figure that out. And we can't simply allow, uh, you know, private profit-seeking interests to walk into a community and flip the switch off. Um, I, I, after the latest round of layoffs from Bell Media, I lay awake at night you know, obviously concerned about the 1300 job lo job losses. I know a lot of people who were among those uh, mm -hmm. personally who I've worked with over the years. Uh, and that disturbed me. But what disturbed me. I think Tom more, McConnell may have been one of them. I'm not sure. Uh, my understanding is he's still um, heading up the operations in London for Bell Media, um, but certainly hasn't spoken publicly about them because if you work for Bell Media, you don't speak publicly about them. That's not your job. Um, but a lot of other folks, you know, voices who I've worked with and been influenced by throughout my career uh, were shown the door. Um, but what's even more disturbing is that you, you have entire platforms that were being wiped off the map. Um, and those aren't going to come back once they're gone. And so I think, you know, we have to sort of recognize that we're mm -hmm. in a new phase of, of losing what matters most to us. And we've got to figure this out one way or the other. So we may not like the Online News Act, but I think we've got to get it done. And then we got to figure out what comes next. And, and it has to be an ongoing conversation. And we cannot afford again to have no conversation for 30 years and then try to catch up with one piece of legislation. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And see, the other piece, too, is the Rogers Shaw merger. That's another thing here. Oh, that is, you know, here you have a government that has, you know, it. It, it's speaking out of two sides of its mouth. And, and I, when I say government, uh, th this applies to every government that has been in place since the early 80s, um, where, you know, they would talk about competition in the media industry. This goes all back to the Kent Commission, I think, in 19, you know, the early 80s, where, you know, they, they say they want to encourage competition, but then they stand idly by while the media, you know, essentially gets bigger and bigger. The, the, the bigger get bigger, the smaller players get bought out. Um, and, you know, the Roger Shaw merger where they say they're going to make sure the competition remains on the table. Uh, please, uh, you don't encourage competition by allowing the big to get bigger. You don't encourage competition by allowing, um, you know, companies to be swallowed up in, you know, you know, massive historic deals like this. This is not the recipe for competition. And the government certainly isn't going to enforce that over time. Um, market dynamics are what they are. 
Um, and basically what it means now is fewer choices for consumers, less incentive for big players to hold the line on prices. And if you thought that, you know, your 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 telecom bills were going up faster than the rate of inflation before, uh, just wait, it's going to get worse because of this. And so um, once again, the government has lied to us about its intentions for a more competitive telecom landscape. It's and not going to do anything. It won't. And and it, it's it's only going to make a bad situation worse because we've seen this before. Fool me once, you know, shame on me. Fool me twice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, because I should have learned that lesson. And, and I'm certainly not buying it. And certainly the next time uh, there is a federal election and candidates show up at my door asking for my vote, these are the questions that I'm going to be asking them because um, you know, standing up against big telecom doesn't seem to be part of the language uh, to date. And that upsets me. Oh, and the other thing, too, right, is that, um, see, there is also this that um, that um, that Rogers is going to uh, is look is, is looking at suspending global uh, shutting down uh, global news operations. So, see, yeah. that's another thing. Sure it is, because now now we're going to have one less voice, right? We're going to have far fewer opportunities for journalists to, to build careers, far fewer opportunities for journalists to hold politicians and uh, captains of industry to account. Um, the stories that need to be told won't be told. Again, you're gutting uh, mainstream media uh, and you're allowing it to happen on the current government's watch. And, um, you know, again, I like, yes, uh, you know, media is a business, why it's no longer sustainable now, and why some of the most well-compensated senior executives can't figure out how to compete in a digital economy is beyond me. Um, and having worked for some of them directly, as well as on a freelance basis, it frustrates me to no end that they are so uncaring about the communities that they serve, um, and so unwilling to have frank discussions that aren't exclusively focused on their profitability, their margins, their growth, because at this point, that's all that seems to matter to them. And that is a, an absolute crying shame. Like, see, you've got people, you have other players like other independent podcasters and Sirius XM. You've got players like that who are doing better jobs than these, these uh, terrestrial media companies. Exactly. Terrestrial media, you know, obviously once owned the landscape uh, and has allowed it to slip through its fingers by not adapting to the increasingly digital nature of the media economy. Um, and they simply don't speak that language. Uh, and as a result, uh, they are having their, their their lunch handed to them. Revenues that used to go exclusively, exclusively to them have now migrated elsewhere because they didn't come up with a compelling reason to have advertisers stay with them um you know the you know the sienna was 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 said it very you know i think perfectly before is that you mm -hmm. know it, it worked for me but you know over time it wasn't as effective well it's the yeah and then you find something new exactly exactly and so if you're a consumer you're like well I'm, you know I, i'm not getting it from my local radio station because they fired all of the all of the news readers and now the news comes in from another city there's no local news at all it has nothing to do with me and i'm really not interested in traffic from another city um so why would i even bother listening so you stop listening and then local advertisers are like well nobody's listening to you anymore i'm going to put my money onto a digital platform because you know i want people to come to my door and buy my stuff so it becomes this virtuous declining circle there's almost vortex of loss and and then you know big media kind of looks and goes 
well, sorry, we tried. We're just going to close it down now. Really? Like, is is that the way it's supposed to operate in Canada? Or are you supposed to be creative and, you know, come up with new ways of, of, of ensuring that your platforms remain relevant? Uh, it's not rocket science. It's It gets right back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this segment is finding what tools are out there, playing with them, talking to other people, learning from them in conversation, and then maybe coming up with new hybrid, better, different, cool ways of doing things. Um, and that sense of wonder, that sense of innovation just doesn't seem to be present in the Canadian telecom industry today. And as a result, the, the media outlets that they own are suffering from it because they're just be being essentially being left to die on the vine. Look at this. Like, And another example, see, to bring in a bit of a sports example, you, I don't know if you, but you might remember the day that Kyle Dubas was uh, let go from Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Not, long, not long ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, of course, that's what, and he ended up in Pittsburgh, but. See, the thing was, is I was looking for coverage. I was looking for all the breakdown of this, you know, of uh, of um, what the perspective was on this. Yeah. And, and, there, and there, there wasn't any. No. You know, you know. Who, OK, so, you know, who gave, was giving the perspective? Who? Locked on Leafs. <laughs> um, rink wide. Um, there's that one that uh, the Leaf report that Jonas Siegel does. There is, and, and, and I'm, I'm encouraged to see that passionate sports casters with, you know, a, you know, appropriate skills are launching their own tools to fill the gap being left by big media as they pull back their resources. So, you know, for example, Leafs lunch got canceled. Uh, you know, the number of staff, yeah, you know, no, the, the, that's terrible. Yeah, round after round of layoffs means that TSN's radio properties are are less staffed. The, the level of integration between that and other Bell Media platforms, they're just basically getting all it all from the same source. But there's no there's nothing unique. There's nothing new. There are there are fewer um reporters who are pounding the pavement looking for the stories on Kyle Dubas's uh departure, what it means, what was behind it, what comes next for the franchise and the community that supports it. Uh none of that because you don't have people to tell the stories anymore. So the digital industry now tries to fill that gap and tries to find sponsors and find revenue to fund those stories that used to be told by traditional media. And I'm encouraged that there are a number, especially around the GTA, especially around the lease, around kind of our Canadian marquee franchises, that there's enough demand out there that, you know, maybe if you're a business and you're an advertiser, you're like, I used to spend it on traditional radio, but obviously that's no longer an option for me. Maybe I'll start redirecting some of my marketing money, my marketing dollars for advertising to a podcast that has a loyal audience. And I think that's where the future of this lies. Uh, and and I'm, I'm encouraged by that because there are a lot of smart people, including the Dave Traffords of the world, uh, who see that opportunity, are bringing in people with broadcast experience and who are passionate about telling stories that need to be told so they can continue doing it, albeit within a different framework. And I think that's one of the cool advantages of the digital economy is that it lets people like Dave Trafford figure that out and compete against the multi-billion dollar conglomerates and win. Right. See, and the other thing, and I mean, and I know, and I know uh, NHL Network Radio on uh, Sirius XM was covering that, the, the Kyle Dubas thing. So it was like other places that people were going to get that information as a Leafs fan. Exactly. And, and I think that's I think that's an important message for, you know, if you're a Leafs fan or let's expand it. Right. If you're a Jays fan, if you're a Raptors fan, whatever, whatever you're a fan of, 
if the stories that you want to hear aren't being told, and I think the Kyle Dubas story was a really good one because it came at a time as resources were being gutted from traditional media and they did a frankly lousy job of covering that story. Yeah I, yeah, I couldn't find it either. That I think that's the moment where you and I as consumers go, well, I got to find a different source. Who else is out there? And then when we do a little bit of searching, we realize there are a lot of really cool people who've picked up the baton. Let's support them. Let's so like my challenge to anyone who's 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 you know out there today is pick up your smartphone, open up your laptop, whatever it is, go to your podcast app, go start asking yourself, how am I spending my time listening to and watching things about the stories that interest me? You know, in this case, sports, but it could be about anything else. And where else can I find really cool content? Because it's out there. And there are some remarkable sports journalists out there who are doing incredible work in the digital space and would just love to have a follow, a subscription, a share, a connection on social media, whatever it is. That level of interactivity, I think back to the early days of talk radio, and I was an avid talk radio listener when I was a kid. It's why I'm not I, anymore. I used to be. I used to be. And it's why I went into the, the, the it's why I wanted to become a journalist. I was like, how cool is that? That people can talk. Yeah, that was the same for me. Yeah. And it was magical. And it kills me to see it being literally dismantled piece by piece. But that that ethos, right, that work, that ethic is being translated into the digital space. So are we doing enough to go out and find them? And are we talking to people that we know and saying, hey, what are you listening to? What podcasts are, are on your podcast list? What are you spending your time listening to? I think a lot of us have that option. And I think we should start digging into it a little bit more because it really is out there. Maybe it's not on our traditional radio dial, but that doesn't matter. Uh, pick an app and start subscribing. And I think we'll realize there's a lot more good out there than not. And I think the traditional, you know, I, I think the, the telcos will probably look at their decisions over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years and go, maybe we could have been a little more creative. You know, like, look at, look, I mean, and, and look at the, look at, and look at the, the Sirius XM streaming package. You can mm -hmm. sports you want. I don't know if you're familiar with the, what they do, but um, you, yeah, not on the sports side, although I have done quite a bit of work with them that, you know, from the technology side. But what fascinates me with Sirius XM is they were the original subscription-based alternative. And they did a really good job of saying, we're going to lead with content, right? We're going to create stuff that people just love to listen to. We're going to hire really smart people. We're going to hire popular people. We're going to hire people who are passionate about the craft. And we're going to create a product that is worth paying for. And I think that's an important sort of reminder is that all this stuff costs, right? Even, even if you're setting it up in your house, you still have to buy the equipment. You still have to subscribe to the, your internet connection and, you know, make sure that all the tools are working. You know, you know, Ali, you got a beautiful mic there. We're going to talk about that afterward, but like all this stuff costs, right? It costs to be a content producer. And so if you want this to be your career, then you're going to have to figure out how to generate revenue off of it. And so, you know, that really is the, you know, that to me, that's the future model is that Sirius kind of created this, content worth paying for and there are millions of people out there who are willing to pay for it and and i think they're they are the model to a certain extent they've done a lot of things right that a lot of other digital broadcasters can look to and go it starts with stuff that people want to watch and listen to created by people who are super passionate about this stuff if you build that they will come and look and yeah, any 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 and you know even you know not only the J I can listen to the Jays games I can listen to the away if I want to listen to today the Jays mm -hmm. are playing the Diamondbacks I want to listen to the Diamondbacks broadcast I can find that too on the app. 
It's awesome. Um, and I think it reflects the fact that, you know, we used to have what, what I like to call appointment consumption. We used to watch the, you know, we would watch the Jays game on the same network broadcast um, at the same time, all at the same time, of course, or we would listen to it on the same radio station. Whereas now everything is, is app driven. Everything is digital. And I, so I we, like Ben Wagner. I do like Ben Wagner. Yeah. And, and, but the cool thing is, is we have that choice, right? And, and if Ben Wagner is going to do it better than anyone else, and he's going to have a fan base, I'm going to I'm going to follow him. Uh, and and I think that we're almost like at the beginning of a golden age where we have so much more choice because everyone's trying different things and seeing what works. Uh, and so maybe that's not a bad thing. Like maybe maybe it's okay if if you know Rogers decides that you know they don't want to put the money into it or you know that they don't want to have people on the ground because maybe other people will start up their own businesses and do it themselves and you know out compete the bigger players and show them there is a better way, cheaper, um, but still sustainable and better storytelling. Uh, and, and, you know, again, having spent a good chunk of my career, uh, you know, working freelance and sort of, you know, trying to scratch the living in that way, I have a huge amount of respect for that. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I think if you're a consumer looking for stuff, you've never had more choice than you have now. Yes. And we're going to wrap up with the Jays. We promised we will do some Jays talk here and we will. <laughs> that, that's awesome because i'm i am still um like i i'm still just like high-fiving everyone that i can find about vladdy's performance at the yeah, all-star what are your game thoughts there and dalton varsha what are your thoughts on the whole were you a fan of the tay osgur trade this past winter yeah i mean look you know i i'm never a fan i'm i'm it always hurts me when a beloved player is traded away um, and, and especially so with the Jays, because I think what the Jays have done, they don't, it, they're not just a, a team of talent. Uh, there's a cohesiveness in the clubhouse that I think any other team would just, you know, love to have. There's something special about this team. And I, I know I'm biased, I'm Canadian, um, but they really are a special group of people. And there's a, I think there's, I think fans love the Jays to, to such a degree because they see how they are on the field. They, they truly adore each other, you know, watching, you know, watching George Springer, you know, hug everyone in the outfield after they've won the game or Vladdy dump the ice water on everyone while they're being introduced, while they're, while they're being in interviewed, that's special. And so, you know, having Teoscar uh, traded away was it's like, Oh, like he was right at the middle of that. Right. He was a beloved member of this beloved team of ours and now he isn't. And so it wasn't just a sports trade. It was one of us leaving. Um, but at the same time, uh, they didn't, you know, they're, they're not producing. And so, you know, the front of the house, right? Senior executives have to make those hard decisions about shaping the team and making the appropriate changes so that maybe we will get a, you know, we, we will get a, a, a World Series back in Toronto. And so I hate seeing players I love following go elsewhere, but at the same time, I, I I grew up in Montreal following the Canadians, and every trade would would touch off exactly the same kinds of bait. It was almost unheard of, like you were violating somebody's religious principles because you traded someone away. But at the end of the day, you're doing it because you want this team to win. And if the team isn't winning, they're going to have to change whether we like it or not. And, uh, you know, like I think, like someday, maybe Vladdy won't be part of the team. And I can't even imagine what that's like because he is like, I grew up watching his dad play in Montreal. Right. So, uh, you know, like 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 this, this is a guy he's, his story is remarkable. He is integral to the Blue Jays, but maybe in five years he isn't as effective uh, for the Jays as he is today. And maybe they'll trade him, too. And I can't even begin to imagine what happens then. But it could because anyone can be traded on any given day. That's just the way sports works. 
now, in your mind, how has uh, Varsha looked? I mean, he's looked good, okay, over the last these last couple of games. But what have you? What? Um, how has he looked there? I think, uh, and again, I'm 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 not the expert, right? Like I'm <laughs> my my baseball career was limited to little league playing left field, picking <laughs> buttercups, and you know, every once in a while, I'd hear you know the ball, the ball, and the ball, yeah. the ball, and I throw it back in. So I'm not the best one to comment, but I think you know Varsha is a case of. Um, brought in with huge potential, hasn't quite lived up to it. Um, but, you know, she can, continues to show signs and flashes of, of that brilliance. And I think he'll get there. Um, and I think to uh, to the team's credit, they're giving him the time and the space to develop into his potential. Um, and, and I think that's important because maybe this isn't the year that, you know, we make it. Who knows? We're what, 10 games over 500 now? Um, maybe we do, maybe we don't, we're kind of on the fence, but, but you need to give players like Varsho the time to find their footing so that they can grow, they can grow into the superstars that they're destined to be. Um, and it's, that's kind of a sign of a team in development. And I'm really glad to see Toronto giving him that opportunity. And I'm glad to see him now finally starting to respond to that, um, and start to come into his own. Um, we cheer loudly for him when he, when he, you know, whenever he comes up to bat for exactly that reason, because you want him to succeed. And I think that's part of the story. It's, it's almost like the story of the Jays, right? We just want them to make it happen. We want them to overcome their adversity. And certainly uh, Varsho is, is like a, an absolute example of that. And uh, we will always be a fan for that reason. That is certainly awesome. And I think uh, it, it's, it'll be a fun season regardless the rest of the way in. I think it'll be very, very interesting. And and we were talking about like innovations like in, in technology there a while ago. Something else that just came across my mind too is look at what Audible's doing for the audiobook side. Uh, yeah, particularly what? Like what's the, like what are the changes that are particularly notable to you? I mean, like, you know, uh, it's it's interesting because, you know, Audiobooks are, uh, I mean, there are some folks who that's all they listen to, right? Like they wouldn't be consuming literature if it weren't for an audiobook. Um, Audible has become sort of the, the, the platform of choice. They've defined um, best practices in the audiobook space. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not quite sure what changes you're referring to now, but just in terms of no, 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 not changes specifically, but just that they've just, as you sort of said, like it, it also goes along with your, it also complements well with all the other services that you may have. It absolutely does. And it fits in, right? Like it's, it's, it's an app that sits on your phone. It it's easy to subscribe to. It's easy to use. It integrates with all the services on your phone so that you can be, you know, uh, you know, like, like it, it works seamlessly on CarPlay because we've tried it in our car as we've, as we've driven. Um, it, it's, it's stuff that just works. Uh, and it recognizes that we may not always have time to sit down with a book, but we certainly have time to listen to a book and they've sort of you know, what started off as an app that sat on your computer and you sort of had to sit at your computer with headphones to listen to it. Now it's morphed really nicely over to an app that now sits on your, on your phone and on any any other device and basically goes with you wherever you are and allows you to read no matter what you're doing. To me, that's another one of those examples of transformative change in technology. Um, And, you know, you can listen to some podcasts on there too. Like, you you, know, like absolutely can. Well, think of it this way, right. You know, when you, when you have an hour of time to kill, to fill in, you're in between meetings or the day is over, the kids are now in bed, whatever it is, um, what, you know, you're going to fill it with either you're going to watch watch something on TV, watch a movie, um, you know, listen, you know, you're going to read a book or 
you're going to listen to a podcast or you're going to listen to an audiobook. Whatever it is, content is content is content. And where so you know what they've done is they've recognized that we have we need to support different kinds of content and it isn't just you know narrated audiobooks now which is really where they started but they recognize that you know they can bring in you know because there, there's huge demand for podcasting as well the same people who listen to audiobooks are the same people who listen to podcasts and subscribe to them rapidly let's incorporate all that onto the same platform the problem with audible is that Apple has recognized that as well, of course, and Apple owns yeah. the platform. And so now you're competing head to head against Apple. It means that Audible has got to be a little bit more creative in, in terms of who they bring to, to the platform and sort of how the, the, the tool works. Oh, they've got a lot of originals too. They absolutely do. And it's much the same way with Spotify, which is in very much the same boat. And so like, again, competition raises the tide for everybody. It ensures that Apple is always introducing new features and making sure that it's bringing new content to the table. It's making sure that everything is always fresh and new and cool and that you give people a reason to direct some of their subscription monies to you instead of someone else. And we all win in the end, no matter who we're subscribing to, because these services are just so much better than they were even just a couple of years ago. Awesome. And uh, now it's uh, time to get to some uh, contact information. We'll start with you, Carmu. How can people, if they have any questions for you, they want to get in touch, where can they find you online? I am on all platforms. So uh, Twitter, threads, uh, just at Carmi Levy, C-A-R-M-I-L-E-V-Y. Um, and, uh, and I'm also, I, I, I work for a software development company called Step Software, and on on uh, platforms we are at Step Software as well. So, uh, always happy to hear from folks with questions. I always do my best to answer them as best I can. Some uh, sometimes hard if I'm not standing over your shoulder, but uh, by all means, do reach out. Let me know if you've got a question or if you just uh, you know have a comment on something I might have said at some point. Agree, disagree. I'm always cool with hearing from folks. It makes my day. Yeah, and uh, Sienna, where can people find you online? You can contact me. I'm always happy to hear from all of you uh, listeners and um, always happy to hear from you. You can contact me at siennatradio at mail.com, which is the main email for Sienna T Radio and for Spicy Techie. Um, I am on Facebook, so you can also, uh, if you do have me on Facebook, uh, please do send me a message on Messenger. Um, and you can, of course, add me on Facebook, uh, Sienna.Trijani. You can find me there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sienna Trijani, all one word, capital S, capital T. And um, you can also email me at siennatradio at gmail.com. We are uh, slowly transitioning from uh, siennatradio at mail.com over to siennatradio at gmail.com. So for the time being, uh, you can email me in both places. You can also check out uh, what I'm doing over at Sienna T Radio. And uh, Spicy Techie, of course, the main page for Spicy Techie can also be located at http colon slash slash siennat.wordpress.com, where you can also find the contact page. So uh, 
every which way that I am available. I'd love to hear from you. And um, if you have any questions, suggestions um, of what you would like to hear on any of the shows, either whether it be Spicy Techie or Sienna Tea Radio, please do not hesitate to uh, contact me. And I'm, I'm happy to get in touch with you and uh, always happy to hear from our listeners. So please do reach out. And also, uh, don't forget that you can also send us a voice message via the Spotify for podcasters page. We've also got a uh, link where you can send me where you can send us a voice message as well. So please do get in touch, everybody. Always happy to hear from you. And I want to thank you, Carmi, for joining us. It's it's Absolutely. such a great chat. And thank you. Uh, yeah. Makara and as well. We, yes. Thank you so much. And we will we will do that. And uh you can also reach me. Uh we got for, we forgot we don't want to forget my contact info. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where can you find me? Um I guess I'm pretty easy to find online, right? I guess. Um you can find me at ATOM Podcast 819 on Twitter and follow me on Mass on Mastodon at at uh ATOM Podcast. 819.mastodon.social threads at ATOM podcast 819. You can also follow the All Over the Map Facebook page by searching All Over the Map Podcast. And you can email ATOM podcast 819 at gmail.com. Follow the schedule at http colon slash slash alitechgroup.wordpress.com. And Carmi. I really want to thank you for joining us today on all on spicy techie. Oh, I'm the one who needs to thank you. This was just such a delight. Uh, You guys were wonderful to talk to. It has absolutely made my day to just kind of bounce in here and chat about the things that, you know, drive my passion uh, and, you know, the why of what we do, of why we do what we do. Um, How rare it is that I get an opportunity to just have this kind of conversation that usually, you know, Four to four to six minutes, really focused on a particular technology. But this time, we really got to be ourselves, and uh, I'm yeah. And I'm looking for. I hope we can have you back in the future. Uh, I would love to come back. Uh, and you, you, you figure out when, where, and how. But I would, I would, this absolutely. I any time at all, I will always bounce in here. You guys are wonderful. Abs, thank you so much. And uh, and and Spicy Techie will be back with you on Monday, July seventeenth. When we have author of Smile Again, Kim Gimmel, will stop by to talk about that book, as well as some other uh, stuff as well. And we all over the map will return Tuesday, July 18th, with Marka Flalo. And we'll also be doing another Thursday show with, with, with uh, Jeremy Travers, Pete Travers' son. Sienna, go ahead. And um, I want to uh, also uh, echo Ali and, you know, it, it, it was a great uh, discussion, Carmi, and thank you so, so much. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you and, and just to chat and, and be ourselves and, as you said, and, and just share our passion. And um, I, too, am very much looking forward to having you again on spicy techie you're always welcome and makara as well i want to thank you 
so much as well. And uh, just to mention to everybody that uh, CNT Radio will be back this Friday, uh, 7 to 9 Eastern for the CNT Radio Song Bank with the CNT Radio Song Bank, of course, hosted by yours truly. Uh, we'll be playing music from here, there and everywhere. And of course, if you do have requests, um, there's a request box right on the CNT Radio homepage, CNT. Uh, Dot wordpress.com navigate over to sienna t radio there you'll be able to find the request box and happy to play all of your requests uh from around the world we play everything awesome from, uh, the music that we all know and love right to international music that we may not have heard um on mainstream radio and that's the beauty of internet radio so stay tuned for that as well and uh once again as ali mentioned uh spicy techie will return tomorrow monday july 17th with guest author kim gemmel and until then as we all remind everybody we say the tagline together everybody that it is not goodbye it is, it is. Until, Until next, next time. time. Have a great Sunday, everyone. Have a wonderful Sunday, everyone. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Spicy Techie. To learn more about the show, please visit http colon slash slash Sienna T dot WordPress dot com slash Sienna T dash radio to email the hosts. Type in Sienna T radio at mail dot com or ATOM podcast eight one nine at gmail dot com. And we are, we are always, always reminding, reminding you. That, that it, it is, is not, not good. goodbye. It is, it until, is until next, next time. time.